0: when we come to the awareness or when we embrace the awareness that we are more than biological beings, we are also non-biological beings, that it really, it changes everything. Most of us have a passive awareness, but when we actually gain an active awareness that we are more than flesh, it changes our whole structure of what's valuable and what to pursue. Hello,
1: and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected. And it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body. And I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection. So the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences, or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am excited to have you here today. We're going to talk about our soul, which is a topic that I really, really love. So as an author, a pastor, a presenter and a pursuer of truth, Corey Rosenke is both the concept pioneer and foremost authority on the cravings of the soul. Through sermon, sessions, workshop and manuscript, he is dedicated to the pivotal work of connecting hungry souls to the joy of their maker. I love that. So in a world where truth and reality have become shrouded in debilitating ambiguity, Corey Rosanke specializes in reasserting the clarity of divine design and definition. Welcome to the show, Corey. I'm very excited to have you.
0: Karen, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here as well.
1: You know, I have to say one of the things that struck me when I was reading your bio and going through your information is you are firm in what you believe, and you're not afraid to say it. So that's Mm -hmm. what I love about having you on the show. I mean, that and finding out about the information here. So let's talk about this for a minute. So you mentioned right in your bio about the cravings of the soul. What are the cravings of the soul? What is the soul? We're just going to jump in. And how do you define what a soul is?
0: Well, Karen, I speak to a a lot of people, whether it's podcasts or radio or TV. And oftentimes, I'm speaking to people with completely different worldviews. And we have great discussions because what I'm really interested in is finding our point of connection, our point where we can agree to start with. And so I often get asked that question, like, what is the soul? How do we actually know that we have it? Right? And I often will tell people that some of the language I use is sometimes use the word soul. But with some people, I use the phrase our non-biological selves. And that is simply this. We are three-part beings, body, mind, and soul. And that's something that we all know. You know, sometimes I get asked, as you mentioned, you know, what proof do we ha- you have that we have souls? And I'll generally start by saying you're your own best evidence. We all intuitively know that we exist beyond biology. We all intuitively know that there is something beyond this this flesh kind of that we are wrapped in. C.S. Lewis uh, once said that creatures do not have cravings unless satisfaction for those cravings exists. Oh my God, I love that. And then he gave several examples. You know, he says like a uh, baby feels hunger while well, there's such a thing as food, right? If, if there were never such a thing as food, there'd be no such thing as a craving for hunger, right? And uh, he says, the duckling wants to swim while well, there's such a thing as water, right? If there had never been water, there never would have developed a desire to swim. But we as human beings have cravings that are not merely biological. We have cravings that go totally against the, the biological vein. Like we crave the distinction between a moral right and a moral wrong—that is—that is not a biological craving. In fact, for those who who simply believe us as biological creations, that's actually a real problem. That we each crave the justice or the awareness of, you know, uh, the right and wrong. We crave identity. Again, this is a craving that no other earthly creature craves. And I often will say, identity is the symbiotic, you know, four-part craving of who am I? Why am I? Do I have value? Do I have purpose? Again, that is a, simply a human craving. We crave the eternal. Yes. For some, they crave God. There is within us something that wants to reach out beyond the biology around us. And as C.S. Lewis said, we don't have cravings unless satisfaction for those cravings exist. We would not have this inner longing for eternity or to reach out if that did not exist. So we have that internal witness, right? You have a soul, right? And then I often say this, and this, is this I believe, is as scientific evidence as you can get. I often talk about the global and unanimous evidence of uncoerced conclusion, and that is to say that every culture that ever existed came to the conclusion that we exist beyond biology, independently and by themselves. The Europeans who believed in a soul, when they landed at Plymouth Rock, they came to, you know, Native Americans who already believed in the soul. Now, the pilgrims brought religion, but they did not bring an awareness of the soul. It was already here, right? The Romans believed in a soul. And when they landed their legions north of the White Cliffs of Dover in Britain, they did not bring the knowledge of the soul to the Britons. The Britons already had an awareness of the soul. Long before Africa was ever subject to any kind of outside influence, right, or domination, they were aware of the soul. And so when you consider the fact that every culture, came to the same conclusion independently, (laughs) I mean, that's as scientific a fact as you can get, right? I'll often tell the story, right? If I'm sitting in my living room and my son comes running in and he says, dad, did you hear that loud bang? And I say, no, I didn't hear that bang. And I'm I'm wondering if he was hearing things or, or what happened. And then my wife comes in from the garden and she's like, hey, did you hear that bang? I'm like, oh, two testimonies of a bang, different locations. Maybe there was something there. And then the neighbor phones and I answer and he's like, hey, did you guys hear that bang? It's like, oh, there was clearly a bang. I did not hear it, but clearly it happened because there's all these testimonies that were not connected with each other. Well, you multiply that by thousands and tens of thousands and you think every culture came to the same conclusion that we exist beyond biology. That, that's a scientific fact as you can get. In fact, I would often say that the reason there's so many religions in the world today is because it's each of these cultures attempts to describe or put a framework around what they already intuitively know about themselves.
1: True. right. They all started from their own places and yeah. describe what they know. So you're talking about it being eternal, non-biological. Any thoughts, any ideas on what that looks or feels like to us, then after we die, you know, if it's eternal,
0: what is our form? I would simply say this. I think that if we're to follow the evidence, I'm a person of faith. But even if I set aside faith thinking aside, and I just think scientifically, right, there are way too many examples throughout all of history of people who have died departing from their body. I would even say that those of us who have ever been in the presence of someone who has passed away, it is very obvious Mm. that something is left. Right. The fleshly machine did not just shut off. It's obvious when you're there. It's like you could see it's a vacant shell. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so as far as, you know, what our souls, what form they take, or obviously there'd be people who would have many different theories, whatever their faith background might be. As far as what that looks like, that's something that could be discussed and debated. But for myself, I would say that I believe that our souls are not just, well, let me put it this way. I think that most of us, even though the vast majority of the population is aware that they have a soul, though they're not living like they're aware they have a soul, right? Even though most people are aware of that, we tend to think of our souls as like this mute or passive passenger, you know, that just this kind of like hanging out and then doesn't activate until after we die. All of a sudden, you know, it activates, right? And I would say that exactly the opposite is what's true, that our souls are the core of who we are our souls are the seat of our personality. Our souls are the seat of our deepest ambition and deepest human desire. And when we look at the world today and, and we see the different ambitions and the different pursuits, those are not merely psychologically motivated movements. Those are movements that are founded in the soul. And I believe, again, that there's a clear evidence to it being much more than a psychological movement. And I think that when we come to the awareness, or when we embrace the awareness that we are more than biological beings, we are also non-biological beings, that it really, it changes everything. Because we have this, most of us have a passive awareness, but when we actually gain an active awareness that we are more than flesh, it changes our whole structure of what's valuable and what to pursue.
1: And how do we access that? How does that change us, I guess?
0: Well, I think it comes down to understanding yourself. I honestly think that we in the world today have forgotten what it means to be human. We live in a world that is constantly bombarding us with how to satisfy the cravings of the body and the brain, right? The body and the brain. Every TV commercial is about the body and the brain. Every government promise, you know, is a promise to your body and your brain, right? And meanwhile, our souls are starving to death. I think we've forgotten what it means to be human. We've forgotten who we are. And because of that, you know, let me put it this way. This always blows me away when I think about it. Those of us who are alive today, we live in a time of unprecedented prosperity. Like never before in the history of all of mankind has a generation like the generations alive today been granted access to education, to wealth opportunities, to freedoms, to comfort and leisure, entertainment, world travel. We have more than any generation in the history of the world. And yet virtually every study shows we're more unhappy than ever. Right. I remember years ago, probably 15, 20 years ago, there was a big push that education was everything. Right. If mm-hmm. we could just get an educated society, all our societal ilks would go away. We have more education and more access to education than any time. And it has not gone away. And I think that ours is the generation that has to a certain degree reached the summit and we've discovered that there's nothing there. And so even though we're so rich and so prosperous, like I said, virtually every study shows we're more depressed than ever. We are anxious. We are nervous. I would even say in many cases, under the surface of society, there's like this building rage. There is a tension. Despite all our education, we are more confused than ever about so many aspects of life. And I believe it's because we've forgotten who we are. Because we've been told, I would say for thousands of years, that if we will just reach the top of that financial mountain, we'll have peace. If we reach the top of that sexual mountain, or that academic mountain, right, or that social mountain, that everything will be. And ours is, as I mentioned, the generations who have reached the summit, and we've discovered that there's nothing there. Hence the confusion and the bitterness and the angst that we see in our society today. I believe we have to once again awaken to the realization that we are more than biology, and when we do. It will revolutionize your life.
1: Hello, adventurers and nature lovers. It's Karen here. I have an invitation to a journey unlike any other. Have you ever dreamed of going on a safari or wildlife trip that's not just a sightseeing tour, but a profound life-changing experience? Imagine connecting with wildlife in a way that's meaningful and respectful. Understanding the delicate balance of our world and feeling the pulse of the earth beneath your feet. It's not about just observing, it's about connecting. I've put together an exclusive guide for those who want a deeper connection on their wildlife adventures. And this guide is your key to transforming a simple trip into a journey of discovery and spiritual fulfillment. In this guide, you're going to find insights on how to mindfully engage with the environment, how to appreciate the beauty and significance of each creature, and how to carry the spirit of oneness throughout your journey. So if your heart yearns for more than just a vacation, if you're seeking for an experience that nourishes your soul, visit RevKaren Podcast, R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast com and look for the five ways to make your wildlife trip more meaningful guide. It's completely free and it's your first step towards a truly transformative adventure. Now let's head back to the podcast for more insights and inspiration. How do we feed our soul then? So we're feeding our body and our brain. How do we
0: feed the soul? Well, I think to start with, we have to understand what our soul is looking for. You know, so as an example, right, even as a biological being, we've developed this craving for water. We call it thirst, right? And it's actually a fascinating thing because thirst serves a great purpose, right? If we don't drink water, we'll be dead in four days right? And so we have this craving of thirst that reminds us, aha, go drink water, right? And so I believe our souls are the same way. Our souls have cravings. Our souls are seeking to have those cravings fulfilled. So as you mentioned, I've written a book called the Magnetic Heart of God, Understanding the Five Cravings of Your Soul. And in it, I preface that we have within us five core cravings. And these core cravings are the root of all human movement, all human ambition. And that is these five cravings that we are seeking to have fulfilled in all human pursuit. We're seeking to fulfill them in education. We're seeking to fulfill them in sex, in marriage. And when we get into that relationship and realize that those cravings aren't being satisfied, they're the very thing that drive us out of that relationship. Right. They're the reason why many of us, you know, we think, oh, I'm going to be, I want this career. And so we focus our lives and we get that career thinking, okay, now I'm going to be happy. And then like so many people, they get there and they realize, oh, it's just a job. I'm not happy, right? And they even have to figure out how to live with unhappiness or they have to leave that job and pursue something else, right? Right. But ultimately, it's not mere brain chemicals that are propelling us in these directions. It's in our very soul. And our soul is in pursuit of these five specific cravings.
1: So if we find ourselves in that job and we don't like that job and it's time to move on, Is there a way to, quote unquote, fix it, you know, without having to move on, without always changing jobs or partners or cities?
0: I think it helps to know what you're looking for. Okay. Ultimately, I think that's what the problem in the world is today. We're all looking for peace and happiness. And yet we have left those words essentially, you know, ambiguous, or we've tried to custom design them when you can't custom divine them. They have clear definition, peace and happiness. And peace and happiness can only be experienced when the five cravings of your soul are satisfied simultaneously. And so let me just kind of run quickly through these cravings. Yeah, and, uh, please. So the first craving is the craving for security. Every human being on earth is drawn through life by a craving for security. And I break security into two parts. There's physical security, which of course is what we, many people would call our survival instinct, right? And then there's relational security. And that is, we all need to know that our hearts are safe in the hands of those who hold them. We cannot live a happy and peaceful life if we do not feel secure in our person and in our relationships. Secondly, is the craving for identity. As I mentioned, identity asks four symbiotic questions: Who am I? Why am I? Do I have value? Do I have purpose? You can have all the money in the world. you can have all the sex in the world, you can have all the fame in the world. but if you don't know who you are, you won't have peace.-hmm. Again, this is very well documented throughout culture and history. Thirdly, the craving for independence. And again, I break independence into two parts. Part of that is the craving for freedom, right? We need, we all need to have some sense of autonomy that we can make decisions for our own. That's why prison is such a punishment in and of itself. You know, that you're confined, you've lost that, you know, that physical freedom, but it's not just freedom. It's also the desire to be known as a distinct individual, right? right? It's even well-documented in scientific tests and social tests with identical twins. You know, there's oftentimes, you know, at a young age, the identical twins really find identity in each other. And you've seen them where they have the same haircuts and wear the same clothes. But at some point, they will all get to the point where they have to have something that sets them as, they have to be distinct in some way. Otherwise, we feel unseen. We feel redundant we feel like there's no purpose to our existence, right? We all have to be known to a certain degree as an individual. And if we uh, meet someone who does not allow us to be an individual or who takes away autonomy, we either have to flee them or we have to fight. Mm -hmm. And then fourth, we're all craving significance. We all need to know that in some way, we aren't just distinct, but we're special, right? That there is something about us that is, that is set apart for a higher purpose. And, you know, for certain people like Usain Bolt, as an example, maybe he has got to be the fastest man in the world. <laughs> and when the day comes where his record is, his record falls, he's going to have to find another way to feel significant. For someone else, maybe they just feel like they make the best apple pie, yeah. right? Or or they're the best hairdresser or whatever it is, but we all need something. And I often talk about this when I'm talking to groups about child rearing or child behavior. I'll mention that is a big thing in children. The child that constantly has to be better than everyone else and dominating everyone else is ultimately an unpopular person. You want to be a good friend. You have to allow someone else to feel special, to feel significant. And then fifthly is the craving for innocence. And it is second to none. We all need to know that innocence is, doesn't just mean that we're not guilty. It means that we are, we are righteous. We all need to know we're good boys and girls. And it's the same thing as I mentioned earlier, if we are around someone who makes us feel guilty all the time, we will either flee from them because we can't be around someone who's constantly making us feel guilty or we have to fight. Then we enter into what I often call the righteousness wars because we don't need to, I don't need to feel totally innocent, Karen. I just need to feel like I'm more innocent than you. Oh, interesting. And when you think of almost every fight ever had any argument between any married couple or whatever. Took place because one party or both parties felt that the other was accusing them of being guilty of wrongdoing or wrong thinking. Right. And so, even if it was, that's why it's like you left your socks on the floor again. Well, what I could do is say, I certainly did. I apologize. That would be a good way to direct my craving for innocence, right? To actually be innocent. But more often, what we do is we go, Oh, yeah. Well, you left your shirt out yesterday. And the righteousness battle begins. So security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence. I believe we can understand all human behavior, all human activity by understanding these cravings. And it's great because, as I mentioned earlier, now you know what you're looking for. And so when you're in conflict with your spouse or you're wondering, why won't my sister talk to me? My sister hasn't talked to me in five years. Why is that? Well, there's a whole lot of things to explore, but I can tell you where you can begin I promise you, it has something to do with security, identity, independence, significance, or innocence. They view you as somehow a threat to one of those cravings they have, and it allows you to first off to narrow it down, and to be okay. Where does this come from? Where can I help? Where can I make concession? Where can't I? But yeah. now at least you understand, right? Right. You know, we look around the world today and think of all the behaviors. You know, why are the politicians behaving this way? Why did my Neighbor leave their spouse. Yeah. Well, again, there's a whole lot of possibilities to consider that they'll need to consider, but it has something to do with security, identity, independence, and significance and innocence. And when we understand this, it helps us understand ourselves because I can go, you know what? I entered this career. That's what I was looking for. I was looking to satisfy, you know, one or all of these five cravings in this career. Right. And here's the thing these are non biological cravings, which by default means they cannot be satisfied in biological things. At the end of the day, that is what I believe, why we see the angst in the world that we do. People are trying to satisfy non-biological cravings with biological things. And even in the field, I come across this oftentimes in coaching and therapy and whatnot, even in that field, we have viewed all human behavior through a psychological lens to our detriment. Mm Mm-hmm. Because definitely, we are still three-part beings, body, mind, and soul. Psychology is a very important science, a very important study, but deeper than that is the soul. And if we really, truly want to find the root of human behavior, we have to look at the soul.
1: So how does one start to satisfy these cravings? What kind of a practice does it take or a exercise or, I mean, we have to, you know, move our biological self in some way, Mm -hmm. right?
0: Yeah. Well, I definitely, at the end of the day, because these are not biological cravings, uh, they have to be satisfied someplace that is not biological. So that's that's why I named the book The Magnetic Heart of God, Understanding the Five Cravings of Your Soul, is that at the end of the day, I believe that we were designed to live in connection with our maker. Mm-hmm. I'm a person of faith, so I have a specific view on this, but for those who you know have different ideas. the point of agreement I think we can come to is to say, you were designed. that's why I use that language. You were designed to live in connection with your maker, right? Yeah, and no other existence will satisfy the human soul. A seagull may be happy with whatever they can find in McDonald's parking lot. you know, and a monkey will be happy with bananas, but we are different. We are, I don't want to say more complex, but we are different. We will not be satisfied. With pizza and with a new car and with a big house, I promise you, every human being has discovered this. once you get these things, it's never enough. It doesn't fill the void. Why? Because you cannot fill a non-biological void with biological things. It doesn't work. I saw an interview with Elon Musk a while ago, the richest man, who ever existed in all of human history to what we know so far, right? Yeah. And the interviewer asked him, they said, "Are you happy?" And Elon paused for a moment, you could see he was thinking. And then he kind of slowly mouthed the words, I don't think many people would want to be me. When you think of this, the richest man who ever lived, there is nothing that he cannot have as far as what the world is offering. Right. And it's not filling the void. Jim Carrey, a Canadian comedian, I heard a quote from him a while ago as well. He said, I wish that everybody could experience riches and fame. So that they would realize that that's not the answer, right? Once again, we have a guy hugely famous, hugely wealthy, and um, these guys aren't the exceptions. This is the rule, yeah. Right? You know, something. No sooner get a million dollars when you are either scared because now you got to fight to protect that million dollars, or I need two million, I need three million. Yeah. That's why you just buy a brand new car. You've been coveting that car for two years. You get that brand new car. I mean, how many? Months, weeks, even days is it before we realize that's not enough. It doesn't fill the void, right? And so at the end of the day, I believe we now know what we're looking for in these five cravings. And for some people out there, people perhaps who aren't of faith, that is beneficial to them in and of themselves. I've actually had atheists read my book and say, you know, I'm not totally ready to agree with you on your faith conclusions, but simply understanding what I'm looking for now it's changed everything. Now, at least I can put word to that ache inside me, right? When I'm sitting home watching Netflix, feeling entertained, but feeling empty, right? Right. But for those who are interested or willing to pursue a faith perspective, I say, that's when I believe coming into connection with your maker. That's the only thing that at the end of the day, give you the security, the identity, the independence, the significance, and the innocence that you truly need.
1: Well, and I think, I don't know how you feel about it, but some people can define their maker different ways, but still coming into connection with the divine, with something greater than themselves.
0: Yeah. Well, and I speak to people from all different worldviews. I'll i be right up front and with everyone, I'm a Christian. Yeah. And so I, I believe that ultimately when I think of God, that is the lens through which I'm viewing the answer. But I encourage people to... Start where you're at. I'm not one of these people that's like, I'm not out here to try to rush people to my way of thinking. What I want to do is help people and say, hey, this is what you're looking for. And now that you know what you're looking for, you'll have a better chance of finding it.
1: Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. That's true. Do you advocate like prayer or meditation or...
0: Very much so. And again, I'll be totally transparent. If you if you get my book, my book walks those parallel lines between philosophy, psychology, neuroscience, theology, faith. And so in my book, like I said, I reach um, and offer a Christian conclusion. And so I absolutely advocate, I mean, that ultimately is what it means to be in connection with our maker, you know, is prayer and meditation and scripture reading. So yeah, I 100% advocate that.
1: Nice. I'm completely like in agreement that these things, these cravings that you talk about are things that we, we need to fulfill, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to find that peace and happiness. Do you think people can find all five of these in their lifetime and be fulfilled? I guess.
0: I believe that you can find Not only can you find them in your lifetime, you can find them tomorrow. You can find them today and you don't need to make more money. You don't need to change apartments. We don't need a new car. We don't need to leave your relationships because they happen because you come into connection with your maker. Uh-huh. And as I mentioned, I believe I have a, have a specific view on that, but I'm happy to support and cheer people on from whatever starting point they happen to be at. And for those who are like, I love the idea. I understand that I have a soul. These five cravings make sense to me. I'm not ready yet to pursue any kind of organized religion or. Clear definition of God, at least they have a start. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm looking to try to help people. I'm not here as a preacher trying to rush people to my faith. I just want to help anyone I can find. This is what you're looking for. And then ultimately, I believe and I hope that they will get, you know, I believe that there is ultimately a place where you're going to experience that connection with your maker and you're going to have that fulfillment. And don't get me wrong. I should also say this I believe that we as human beings, our purpose is to reflect these satisfaction for these cravings to each other. I can't, let me put it this way. I can't be your source of security, Karen. If I become your source of security, I'm going to let you down.
1: Yeah, exactly. Not because
0: I want to, just because I'm a flawed, failed human, right? But what we absolutely have to do is reflect these cravings to each other. Like husbands and wives Well, you cannot be the source or the satisfaction of these cravings in each other, which I believe is unfortunately exactly what we have unwittingly done. Mm -hmm. And we've put a burden on on spouses that are impossible to carry. Right. But absolutely, you should reflect security, identity, independence, significance, and innocence to each other. You should reflect that to one another. And not only that, if you don't, it's over. And if you want to climb the workplace ladder. You need to be a place where you reflect, you bring into that organization security, identity, independence, and significance, and innocence. And if you do, you will climb the corporate ladder. But if you threaten one of those cravings in the company, you'll be out. Right. So absolutely, we need to live our lives trying to reflect these cravings to each other, but not as the source. None of us can be the source of another person's identity or innocence because we're too flawed. Only in our maker can we actually find the source.
1: Yes. Okay. Interesting. In perspective of seeking these cravings and fulfilling these cravings, what do you see people in the world doing that they need to stop doing? Like, What's keeping them away from these? Or is it a matter of education? No one's ever told them that's what they're looking for? Or is it that something else that is keeping them from these core cravings?
0: I think it's both. I think that At the end of the day, knowledge is revelation. And so when you have a revelation about something, you become aware you've gained knowledge, right? And so part of me is on a mission to help people come to that revelation about themselves. So again, so that they know what they're looking for. But at the the end of the day, I'll tell you what the problem is. We, for since the beginning of documented history, we've looked to satisfy these cravings in the same old places. It has not changed in thousands of years, right? Wealth, power, control, sex, I would say self-righteousness, puffed up idea of philosophy about ourselves, psychedelics, drugs and alcohol. Education has kind of another one that's, that's kind of come out. And for thousands of years, it's the same thing yeah. that we're trying to look for. If you look at history, it keeps getting, we get more of it. We get more, we keep getting more, and it's never enough. And yet we keep going back. It's like, I remember watching The Simpsons a while ago, or years ago, and uh, Bart, of course, who's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, he keeps sticking a knife into a, of course, I'll just say, never do this to anyone who's listening, into a plug in socket, right? He's, like, bzz, ow, bzz, ow, ow, ow. He just keeps doing it over and over and over again, right? That's what we as human beings have done. Yeah. And we keep going to this end, except every TV commercial keeps propagating this, saying, Every politician keeps promising this. It will never happen. You know, and yet all of us dream of being the exception to the rule. Right? We look at these famous movie stars. Again, they they get the big break. They're beautiful. They're famous. They're which gives them power and options. Are they happy? No. No, they're not happy. We always think, oh, but if it was me, I would be the exception to the rule. No. No, you won't. By all means, enjoy. If you have money, and wealth, you're going to have comforts that perhaps a lot of us won't have. Enjoy it. But you already know, it does not fill the void. Right.
1: So true. Yeah, this has been fantastic. Thank you for talking about this. So how about if my listeners want to find you and read your book, where can they find you online? Why don't we start with that?
0: Sure. The most centralized place is just CoreyRosenki.com is my website. It'll have more information about me um, a link, the book is available worldwide everywhere, but I, I put a few links on there just to help people that the most common places you would buy books. There's a way to get a hold of me directly if that's something that interests you on there. So coryrosenki.com is definitely the best way. Corey Rozanki is a very unique name. I've never come across someone on earth who has my same name. So if you if you type my name, Corey Rozanki, you'll get access to my Facebook stuff and my Twitter Obviously, my website. I wish my name wasn't Rosenki. I wish it was like Smith or something because everyone would remember, oh, Corey Smith. Well, I'm, it's not yeah. that. So <laughs> if you can't remember, com, The Magnetic Heart of God. Again, if you type that in, the, the book will pop up somewhere near you. Well,
1: the links will be in the show notes, but for those that are listening and not, you know, at a computer, I want to know. So do you offer any classes with the book?
0: Yes, I am, especially in 2024. I will begin traveling around doing workshops. And again, I I will be doing these in multiple environments, in faith environments, churches or whatever, who want to hear more about this. I plan on getting on university campuses and speaking to different clubs and groups there. The beautiful thing about this is when you realize, when you finally identify the cravings of your soul, it has application to everything. Marriage workshops, spouses finally understanding each other, right? Workplace health, finally understanding what it is That's going to make these people work together in a good and productive way, right? It has application for everything. So yeah, I'm open to all places to come and speak and do workshops or just give, you know, a specific pep talk or sermon or like I said, whatever the environment is I'm going into. 2024 will be a big year for that. I'm also a certified transformational coach. So for those who would like one-on-one coaching on understanding who they are, that's something I do as well.
1: Fantastic. Well, I'm grateful that you were here with me today. Thank you. And I know the listeners have loved this. And again, everyone, Corey Rosenke. It's R-O-S-E-N-K-E, right? You got it. Yeah. Go check it out. And thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you, Corey, for being on the show.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to com. That's R E V k-a-r-e-n podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to revkarenpodcast.com. I hope to see you there.